Welcome to Who Needs School. My guest today is Adria Renke. Adria is the president of Brophy College Prep in Phoenix, Arizona, and has decades of experience in education. We have a wide-ranging conversation about the importance of curiosity, organization, and confidence in a young person's educational journey. She also has a interesting perspective on worldwide diversity and the importance our schools can play in forming citizens of the world. And finally, we talk about the importance of belonging to a people and the importance of learning a moral code in your educational experience. A quick editor's note, I mentioned two books in this podcast. The first is Leonardo da Vinci, and the author is Walter Isaacson. And the second is How to Win in a Winner-Take-All World by Neil Irwin. Enjoy. Well, a warm welcome to Brophy College Prep's president, Adria Ranke. Thank you so much for joining us today for the podcast of Who Needs School. I will get you started with our, our first question and just walk us through your educational experiences so the audience has a context where you're coming from. Joe, I'm really grateful you asked me that question first because you made me do a little bit of discernment. My first knee-jerk reaction was, it was college. It was definitely college, I thought. What did I learn? I learned, I thought I was such an independent high school student. And I got to college and, whoa, it was me or me. That, that's independence. And that was a learning curve for me. And I was a very independent child. But as I reflected more on your question, curiosity is the word that most influenced me in my learning. And it started in the fifth grade when a lay teacher, I went to a Catholic school, a lay teacher asked the class a question whose answer was not in our books. And coincidentally, I went to the library every Thursday night with my dad. So I, she just lit me up with, I'm going to find this answer. I'm going to find it. And the curious gene on my chromosomes lit right up after that. I think my next curiosity adventure, and I'll never forget this. I was a senior in a Catholic high school. Sister Mary Robert was my government and ethics teacher. And we were reading, I can't tell you the content. We were reading about some historical issue and I raised my hand and very boldly said, how do I know this garbage is true? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Could she handle it? Uh, and praise, praise God, she laughed, too. Oh, that's she great. Was a good one. She <laughs> laughed, too. And she said, well, I think you're talking about point of view. And the rest of it was, I just kept at her. This is somebody's point of view, but oh. where's the other guy's point of view? And I can't tell you what the topic was. Oh my was. God, good for you. So, so curiosity is in one of my ed classes in my junior year at Michigan, the teacher said, how do you want to treat your students when you get a classroom? Mm -hmm. And I, I still have the paper. I said, I want to bombard them with issues to make them more curious. Hmm. And he circled bombard and said, careful how you use that word. This is in the 60s. Hmm. Yeah. So my background was really fed by, I think, 
what anyone would have called very traditional teachers that knew how to light up a classroom of Mm. kids and get them to be curious learners. And that, you know, your other questions, what do you think? How do we prepare our kids? Yeah. We prepare them to say, how do we know all the garbage in this book is true? (laughs) (laughs) We prepare them to challenge and to continue to be curious. But I think there are two, um, in one of my old lives, I was a private tutor for 21 years. And there were two major themes that erupted patterns in all the students I taught. And I, I taught K through junior college in tutoring. If a child doesn't have confidence, forget it, forget it. They must think that they are the most important, curious person in the world, and they can do anything they set their minds to. Mm. And I always said that to them in the context that I'm going to use a bad athletic figure who's old school. I said, now, look, if if the Phoenix Suns basketball coach came to Adria Ranke and said, I'm going to turn you into Charles Barkley in one week. Uh, do you know who Charles Barkley was? Uh, a famous Phoenix Suns basketball mm-hmm. player of course. that you did not want to be under the basket with body chucking, et cetera, et cetera. And finally, the teacher said, of course, I can't make you into Charles Barkley in a week. Hmm. You are not Charles Barkley. We've got to find out what your Charles Barkley skill is, but it's not going to be the NBA. (laughs) So let's get real about you right now. Mm -hmm. And once you set a student on the path of, I'm going to be good at something, Just help me figure out what that is. I mean, I remember the students that uh, math just wasn't going to happen. It was just crossing your fingers all the time. So if we go from a 60 to a 64 in testing, that was a great day. That was a great day. And, And so confidence to me is one thing. Most of the students that I tutored, had no organizational skills mm-hmm. whatsoever, no executive functioning. Mm-hmm. It was that was the pattern. And, and the other thing is self-starting ability. I I really believe it is a learning challenge if you are not a natural self-starter. You cannot begin work, and yeah. and we think that everybody naturally comes to that, but they don't. They do everything but begin work. And that goes back to confidence. Yeah. So, so the what are the skills? The, those, if you have those, if you can begin your work and if you're confident that you can get through it and you're somewhat organized so the dog doesn't eat every piece of the homework. And <laughs> now with computers, yeah. that can't happen. It doesn't anymore. work. Yeah. The dog, they don't even, they don't even know what I'm saying when yeah. I say that to kids anymore. I, they used to come in to be tutored and we would he the students would put their backpack on the table and say, I know, I know, I've got the vomiting backpack. Let's go look through that first. <laughs> right. Uh, and just the thing, get organized. The thing, that's right. The things we would find, you know. But yeah. But let me ask um, you something about that, Adrian, because that's I, I think one of the things that happens in schools is that schools attract teachers who did well in school, right? So there's this kind of perpetual <laughs> yeah. motion of yes. you know, the modalities in school that work attract those who are going to continue in that profession and yeah. keep, kind of keep yeah. passing that along. 
And yet I know of tutors are alive and well, and I can imagine there's a gazillion of them. They're going to meet with kids today. And the first thing they're going to do is deal with those executive functioning issues, right? Uh That, 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 Uh you know, and I don't know what that's like down in your area, if you think that's still the case, but. Oh, good gravy. Uh, If I would pull out 20 kids right this minute, right. We'd find. A second, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. So I like. I wonder. And how, adults, Joe. And right, adults. Right. <laughs> how, how do we? I one of the things I, I'm curious about is the how do we shift things so that those kids, you know, think of the kids that whose parents don't have the resources to hire a tutor, right? They're the ones that are getting left out of the system at some point in time because they just get discouraged. And as you said, if you don't have the confidence, you're not going to keep. If you just go to school to get beat up at some point in time, you're like oh, this is. It's a waste of my time. I'm going to go do something else and and kind of stop my educational process. Well, first of all, organization is organic. A disorganized home life will produce a disorganized child. Mm-hmm. And let's so talk about reality. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about the perfect family with two parents. So, and perfect's in quotes. Right. And both those parents each have two jobs. So so think of what doesn't get done. Yeah. And they are surviving to eat and to pay the rent. Yeah. However, you and I have both seen heaps and heaps of underserved families that are organized. Right. Uh, and it, organization is on a gene, just like spelling is on a gene. <laughs> there, there are, uh, you know, brilliant people, and you happen to work with one, Joe, Are uh, there are brilliant people that are terrible spellers. It's <laughs> right, like the color right. of your eyes. You either am or you am it, right. you know? But, that's, but oh, it's fascinating how that's changed in a generation, right? Handwriting yeah, and well, spelling. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. That's, that used yeah. to be a sign of intelligence, you know, if, you're, yeah, if yeah, you had it did. good penmanship and could mm-hmm. spell right, you're going to, you know, be in the honor stuff. That's, right. that's that's not the case anymore. I think we've learned well, that. Well, let, let me go back to the very first thing you said. I was a terrible math student. And I was an incredible math tutor for exactly huh. the reason you said. Right. I knew what the struggle was. Yeah. I knew it. So when they sat down and I said, look, here, let's get this right. You are not going to be Albert Einstein. You, It's not happening for us, okay? So we're just going to do two words, just pass. Yep. And I'm going to help you do that. And we're going to get through this because you have, you play the violin like no other. But math isn't your gig. So let's get real. And we got to work. Re- we're going to do the hard stuff first. So let's yeah. get the math done. You yeah, know? I, I find um, the, the, yeah. the worst math teachers are the, are the ones who are math majors. You know that they oh just came gosh, to them intuitively, right? <laughs> yeah, they can't. They can't. Yes. It's hard for them to impart how to get it because it just came to them yes. so intuitively. Anyway, um, so so let's go back to organization, and let's creep right into what has changed in the past twenty years as it relates to organization, mm-hmm. and it is called the computer. It is definitely called the computer, for two reasons. Typically, unorganized people are hands-on, are kinesthetic learners. Hmm. They cannot sit in that desk. Remember, I remember very well being in kindergarten, and one minute I was sitting on my little chair, and I don't know how it happened, but the next minute I was on the floor. Hmm. I just couldn't sit still. Nobody pushed me. 
I didn't do the heebie. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Kinesthetic learners cannot sit there and listen and cannot sit there and watch. However, I used to tutor when the IBM Selectric typewriter came out, the electric typewriter. Oh, I remember that. Sure. Yeah. That was a godsend. And a voice activated tape recorder. Those were my two modalities for the kinesthetic learner. You keep somebody, and again, you work with somebody whose keyboard has changed his life. Yeah, yeah. And the sounds and the bells have changed his life. Yeah, and spell check in the whole Um, nine yards. Exactly. So, So it is very hard for a student now to be disorganized if they use a laptop in class. Yeah. Because control save and put it in the folder. It's not the red folder or the green folder or the pink folder. It's right there in that little box. Mm -hmm. Put it in the folder and then the dog can't eat the homework. Mm -hmm. And if it's not in the folder, then somebody didn't do the homework. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty binary. So technology for the disorganized yeah. adult and child has been life changing, and, and, and we, we're also we're also seeing it. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I've like been fascinated with the software technology that can help dyslexic learners, right? That can read oh. something to you. You're an auditory learner, and to try to read something as a dyslexic student it can be just torturous. But this technology is. like that can read it to it them. It is. It's amazing. One student. I mean, I I had kids with all different learning styles, the ones that we all know. But the one I never could unlock was the kid who just could not read. And one day I had the food section of the newspaper open with the colored ads. And he walked in and said, look at this banana. Look at these apples. And I said, point to them because it said banana. It said apple, but there's a picture of an apple and there's a picture of a banana. He wasn't reading Mm -hmm. and he got so excited. He stood up Hmm. and put his knee on the chair and looked down, standing up at the ad. And he pointed to the word banana and he said, oh my gosh, there is the banana. It's a building. He read in 3D. Really? He could not read sideways, but when he stood up, the words were three-dimensional, and wow. he got it. Wow. And he got it. Yeah. I wonder if he's that an architect. That was a new one. <laughs> right? you, know what he, you know what he is? He was in the second grade, and Marvel Comics, Superhero Comics, Yeah. he would come in with pictures that he drew on the weekend identical to the ones in the God. comic. Wow. So he, I'm sure he is a promising artists. So. Yeah. God. But that That's was a fascinating. new one to me. Yeah. It no was. Kidding. It so was. I, let me ask you, because I, I think we share a fascination with, in our, in some of our educational background, with trying to understand learning styles and understanding mm-hmm. that not everybody, not one, you know, shoe fits everybody's uh, foot the same way, right? There's yeah. different ways of learning and kind of Howard Gardner's multiple intelligences, right? You know, that, that kind of, right. that kind of thing. Do you guys do anything with that? In, in terms of your students at Brophy? Yeah, yeah. We've finally gotten on board, and I'm so proud of our principal. We have a resource known as ARC, Student Assisted Learning, 
for, and of course, like most schools now, they get extended time for the, for exams, Mm -hmm. extended time during the classroom. But the arc is to deal with the students with different modalities or Mm -hmm. challenges like dyslexia and how they can be urged to do it, do things different ways. Remember when we grew up, Joe, you were taught that you could only silently read. Right. You could not move your lips, remember? Of course. No lip moving. No, no. And it's even bad to read in your head. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you could not use your finger on the page. Mm -hmm. You could not. The good old Catholic school training. I have auditory students should mumble when they read. Yeah. And they have to guide with their finger because that visual cue means nothing to them. Mm-hmm. It is like reading hieroglyphics. Mm-hmm. So so here we have a, a, a very skilled educator in the ARC to help students. But I'll tell you, it's rough. By the In the ninth grade, by the time you hit high school, if you haven't almost, learned compensations for your style, it's rough. It's almost too late, yeah. It's right. rough. Yeah. Yeah, it's really just tough. like... The old adage, if they haven't learned how to read by third grade, it's going to be rough. And it will be. Yeah. I've I've often wondered, you know, science keeps evolving with this. If at some point in time, when when a a student comes into into high school as a ninth grader, we have a learning profile in each and every one of them. You know, they're able to take some kind of an assessment that... Yeah. You know, helps them understand how they best learn, you know, auditory, right. kinesthetic, you know, uh-huh. um, visual, that kind of thing. And then some, yeah. you know, t- traits to help them do that. And I'd even kind of wondered at some point in time, if you match students with teachers that do well teaching those modalities and stuff like that, because exactly. the science has got to be there. It's just a matter of trying to, you know, make it to, to socialize it basically. Well, Joe, you probably know this from your educational background there at SI. It used to be in elementary school, even in the ninth grade, math teachers would not allow calculators in right. the classroom. Right. You must learn those facts. You must, you know, that's what they said. And I had a habit when I had a student whose class who would not be able to use a calculator, I would go visit the teacher and ask her if she would make everyone take their contacts out and their eyeglasses off and remove their braces before they <laughs> walked into school. Uh, well, because you don't need those. Right. Come on. And, and a calculator to kids that cannot learn those facts is as important. If oh, and now that hopefully that stigma is over. Hopefully they're rocking and rolling with calculators in elementary school. I, I don't know if they are, but anything. I, I remember when we had our first experiment with laptop computers here and the chemistry and the physics teacher said to the principal at the time, this is fabulous. We used to spend a week or 10 days on the formulas and calculating the formulas. And in the last step, they'd make a subtraction error and we'd have to go back to the Start beginning. Over, right. Yeah. And now press the button onto the experiment. Yeah. Let's go. That what's the meat and potatoes. Yeah. You know? And that's and so, almost, we almost have to do that because of you know all the advances in science just in the last 20 years. I mean, that's the yeah. the subject that's changed and continues to change the most in schools is science, right? Because we just you know learn more and more. English yeah. and history are relatively the same. But science is changing. And for us to prepare students to to be able to stand on the shoulders of those before them, they have to, you know, 
continue to use technology yeah. to to it, it advance their understanding at a quicker pace than what it used to be. Exactly. You know? Exactly. No, it's amazing. You know, this book, Hashtag Ed Journey, I, I was a real proponent of it. And it, it talks about technology. It's a great little resource, but I think, let me get the copyright date. I, I You can see I've marked it all up. I, I lived and died by it. I read it two years ago and the copyright and who's, who's date. Who's the author? And that's called Hashtag Ed Journey? Hashtag Ed Journey. Got it. Uh, Grant Lichtman. Okay. Okay. And copyright is 2017. Okay. Hashtag gotcha. Ed Journey. Okay. Gotcha. All that right. That was his first book. Okay. Much of what he says about technology is already COVID smooth that. <laughs> okay. But the last chapter is we can basically technology will advance. We can count on it. If we don't put our, if we don't stay wood, Pinocchio, if, mm-hmm. if we don't put our heads in the sand. However, Online learning will go. We know that now. Mm -hmm. Don't need to talk about it. What will always, for students K through 12, be required is relationship. Mm -hmm. So the socialization piece. Absolutely, Mm -hmm. positively. Among the peers, among the mentors and the students. Mm -hmm. That touch and, and what we've learned with COVID, we hungered, we longed for mm-hmm. that touch mm-hmm. in many ways. And suffered for the in lack that, of it, right? Suffered, suffered. We, we can all talk about depression or mood swings. or And not only, it wasn't just the kids wanted to hang out with each other. They missed their school. Yeah. They missed that touch. And that will never go away. Mm-hmm. So as technology, I think the next 10 years, we are going to, it used to be we couldn't have relationships with schools in India and partner easily because of the time change. Oh, well, that's over. Yeah, right. We're going <laughs> to live stream and we're going to, you know, we're going to uh, video it and we're going to write down our questions and maybe some of our classes might start at 9 p.m. and right. go to 11 p.m. if yeah. you're a junior and senior. And those kids might have to get up at 4 a.m. Right. And that will be a great adventure. You know, that will be a great thing. I I just think, you know, Jesuit schools are big on diversity since 1550. This isn't new to us. This is not new to us. However, what will be new to all of us when we partner with global schools, with schools in Africa, schools in Sri Lanka, the faculty is going to get off the, the videotape and say, kids from Sri Lanka sure are different. They don't learn like our kids. They're not used to a book Hmm. (laughs) or be reading or tuning into five different podcasts that illustrate the same point. Mm -hmm. So diversity, we we got a Hmm. lot of room to go in learning how to teach diverse populations. Hmm. Even even the Native American population is a different bird when they do a video. Yeah, so fascinating. Uh, What you're oh, go ahead. Well, well, we don't get the nuance of their closeness to the earth in everything they do, and it's to it's a nuance. It's it's organic in them. Yeah, we're not picking up on it unless they tell us. Yeah. 
it's those things. What's interesting um, is you're, so, you're, you seem to be connecting technology and the, the ability of technology to be able to connect us to any place on the planet Earth with a different people and diversity. So the diversity is so much more global and, you know, Ugh. just beyond our own world. And that's, Gosh, as you said, yes. that's what, that's what, you know, Jesuits and the Jesuit order and through their educations embraced for almost 500 yeah, it, years, It right? was nothing to Ignatius. It was, right? you know, he had these seven guys at first, they were from different countries. So, whoa, they all bring different stuff to this conversation. Yeah. So imagine, Joe, we're in a partnership with kids in Juneau, Alaska, whose folks cannot be around because it is the time to go seal hunting. Yeah. And they're not there. And they get the sled and the huskies and they're gone, but the kids are still home learning. That, that That's a different kid. Do you, that's so, a different kid. Let me extrapolate that a little bit. Do you, is that kid getting a brophy certificate at, in, you know, X number in, of years in down the line? 15 years. Yeah. 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 Right. And I hope my kids get an Alaskan homeschooled or school certificate because yeah. they don't know one thing about blubber. Yeah. Right. <laughs> our, our, Interesting. You know, we're, yeah, we, we think in our little isolated American narrow point of view that we're the most important place on the planet. Yeah. Um, well, and our system has been set up, right? It's a, it's in a, a yeah. factory model in an agrarian calendar, right? And, and, yeah. Yeah, and that's right. one of the things, I'm going to come back to something you mentioned is just see if you could peel it back a little bit and curious what, what you think that might look like in the future, especially post pandemic, is this real preference for relationship and for that, you know, the human connection in that proximity. But we've also learned, and I don't want to leave the question here, that doesn't necessarily have to happen in the classroom. So we're you know, we're programmed that they're, they come to school to go sit in a room, you know, to be, to, to go through the curriculum from A to Z. Well, we could do that, you know, at any time, as you were talking about anywhere around the world. How, what's that, how's that, how's that mesh together? What do schools do if kids don't have to go to school to be in a classroom? Anyway. They change the freaking schedule. <laughs> this is an agrarian schedule. First of all, I'm in an all-male school. They do not wake up until 1030 in the morning. Right. Whoever <laughs> has them before that is unlucky. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And whichever parent that's a morning person, they wake up at about four in the afternoon and they are they are rocking and rolling till midnight. And if you're a parent that's a morning person, you have stress. Keeping up with them because yeah, you right. were on fire at 5 a.m. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> However, what's the model? What's the model? Kids are not there. There are times that kids are not going to go to school every Monday because Monday is their interface with Calcutta, India. Hmm. And everybody needs to be awake. So the kids in America have to adjust their time schedule mm -hmm. to get with the awakened kids in Calcutta. And those kids have to get their time schedule because there's no reason in God's green earth. They can play video games till two in the morning. Mm -hmm. They can certainly tune in to Calcutta, India for their. But I'm going to give you an example that is a gross exaggeration. Remember pen pals? Of course. A pen pal, you would read the Scholastic magazine and some little guy 
whose dad was a sheep herder outside of Sydney, Australia, appealed to you in that Scholastic magazine, and you began a letter-writing campaign with that child. And in a year, you were faithful to it. You both, you were kindred spirits. And one day, that kid got off a plane from Australia and met you because it was important to you to relate to that person Mm -hmm. you never saw. Mm-hmm. Maybe a photograph in the old days, mm-hmm. which you would cherish. That tells you how deeply important relationships mm-hmm. are. So can you do it without me touching you, Joe Ballard, right now? Of course you can. Of course you can. You have to want to. And it has to be a program, a pattern. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, that, that touches upon something I think that we're facing nationally. You know, who... who who are the most disaffected people in our country? The the ones that are the most violent, typically uh, male, young males that have been that are somewhat isolated. They're just they're not connected. They socially. have no people. They have no. They people. have no people. And those are the ones that get in. You know whether they're infected by you know extremism or something like that, or prone to violence. But that's you know there's a theme there that we've seen in the last twenty years. Oh, it's it's very simple. You need your peeps. You, yeah. you need one person to love you. You need to belong. And you will long to belong. You will find your people if they don't find you. Yeah. And you, when you are under 18 years old, you don't know who are the good peeps and the bad peeps yeah. as long as they let you belong. Yeah, especially that for males, right? That is a right? human yeah. need. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Although we're seeing in young women the suicide rate, yeah. it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's just exhibited differently. No, we are human beings. You know, a a dog can stay astray all his life. It's nice if he has a master. Right. We cannot be strays. We cannot. We are not built. Our souls are not built that way. Yeah. So that, you know, I do want to ask you about, you know, our schools are are faith-based. But before I do that, I want to make sure that you've touched upon a couple of things. I just want to make sure you didn't have any other thoughts on them kind of what our school's going to look like in in 10 years, you know, and you did, you know, talk, kind of talked about the international factor in the scheduling piece, and then also about how technology is affecting education. Is there anything else you, any other thoughts you had or anything, anything else you're looking at Brophy in, in the years ahead? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I'm really proud of our curriculum team and our principal because of COVID, you know, we've all learned a lot. Every, we could spend days, all of us educators on what are the graces of COVID, if we can even use those two words in the same sentence, but mm-hmm. there are some. And our team has, it's either going to be four or five classes for the seniors, which will not take place on this campus. They will be asynchronous. You will sign up for them and relate to your faculty member online at as an independent, somewhat independent study with a very rigorous curriculum that will be measured in grades. And that's one beautiful part of it. Gives some independence and preparation in my mind for students to be going to college. Sure. But the second piece is the offerings will be out of the box will be offerings that my particular school will not have enough students to fill a class. And it will be curious learners that might take Hmm. romantic, Hispanic literature 
of the 18th century. And so that student gets to step out of the rigor of whatever our curriculum is normally. By the time our students are juniors or seniors, they have fulfilled a lot of the state requirements. Really? Already. Wow. wow. And and this will give them an opportunity not only to grow as a student and, and prepare them more than I was prepared for independence in learning, but to steep their curiosity. I, I don't want to forget to say one other thing, too. Mm-hmm. Um, that Put that in a box for mm-hmm. a minute. Mm-hmm. This box, I think, is an important box, too. When I graduated from college, people were going to be a teacher, a nurse, Mm pre-law, pre-med, and finance, okay? And that was was the road you took. And most of us took those roads. And I would say probably a lot of us were successful in those roads. And, And we went to a management training program or did an internship in medicine or whatever. And that was our path. By the time we were 23 or 24, we knew where we were going. Mm-hmm. That ain't happening mm-hmm. now, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. And nor should it. I was with my millennials on Mother's Day, and to a person, they started at X, graduating with an undergrad degree. Some had graduate degrees. They're not anywhere near X <laughs> right now. And and it began to be okay to do that because yeah. technology changed and innovation was so rapid yeah. at the time. So I don't want our students thinking, oh, no, if I declare a business major, I have to be a business major. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, there, no. Two, you, two, two things yeah. on that, Cause just because that you do touch a nerve there. One, then it's endemic upon us to teach them to be open to that, to open to the possibilities, right? Open to growth right. for what that's going to be. There's a book, yeah. oh, it's called How to Win in a Winner-Take-All World. And I don't have the author with me here, but he talks about a, I was a New York Times writer, covered education for years and years. And what he talks about is not being in a linear ladder career yeah. anymore, Right. but he uses right. the image of uh, frog hopping uh, lilies in a pond. You're going to make these like lateral steps, but you kind of build a expertise in a bunch of different fields and you don't necessarily hone in on one and that's it. Anyway, I just wanted to echo what you said there. No, it's true. When we dedicated our math and science building, we the man that runs the Transitional Genomics Institute here was our keynote speaker, a doctor and a geneticist. And he said his best preparation for medicine. He never wanted to be a doctor. That was not going to happen. Hmm. He didn't have any money. He had no interest, none whatsoever. He got a bachelor of arts, a a liberal arts education for the first four years and steeped himself in music, in the arts, in the beauty of the earth. And suddenly the beauty of the earth, well, how did that happen? Well, what are the birds and the bees there? Well, what is the chemistry? Well, what is the physiology? Mm-hmm. And boom, we go oh. to med school. <laughs> and and he said, my best preparation was exactly what you said, Joe. My world was opened up and I didn't follow this little column path. Yeah. I didn't have blinders on. The world was open to me and I chose it. You know, yeah. Adri, you've talked so much about curiosity and just your own journey and in 
you know, having the atmosphere of the school to inspire that in kids. I don't know if you've ever read, I think Erickson's the author, wrote a, a book called Leonardo, about Leonardo da Vinci. He, it's, no. it's the author who did the biography on Steve Jobs. I will send you da Vinci. You okay. will love it as an educator because Leonardo da Vinci was too poor and was kind of born out of wedlock. And so he had no no family rights. So he never went to school. But the he was so fascinated by the world around him and even the human body that he yeah. you know, was centuries ahead of us in, in uh, yeah. human anatomy yeah. and science and, and technology. Yeah. It's, it's You'll love it. Anyway, that curiosity seed is so important, right? Oh, 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 it is. In fact, our curriculum team about 18 years ago went to this open school in San Diego. Yeah, that. Yeah, the um, uh, <laughs> high, went, tech, high tech, high tech, high. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and the the entire time they were there, they were saying to each other, "Do not let Adria visit this place." <laughs> <laughs> this that is exactly what I've envisioned real <laughs> education. Uh-huh. Yes, yes, and good teachers in a confined classroom can be high tech high. They can be. You don't need the facility, right, although right. it's helpful to have the paradigm uh, driving you. But no, I tell them that all the time. There was some other thing that they visited and said, no, no, don't let her near that. Um, <laughs> and here you are. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, very, I can't wait to uh, see what you guys come up with for the senior. I think that's fascinating. and It will be wonderful. One mm-hmm. of the constraints we have in California is the UC requirements. So for us to fulfill the UC requirements in California, they're, they they've got they have room for maybe two electives. That's it. I mean, there's like it's stock over for, four over four years over four years. Oh my! Because they just keep adding stuff. There's no subtraction, and so it just keeps piling on. Hey, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we have the unique experience of working at a faith-based school. You know, a, a Jesuit right. Catholic a Catholic school. In a time when our country is becoming more secular and there's just less belief, I think. In fact, I was reading, you had a a nice blog on your president's page for Lent a year ago about about the important people moving away from prayer and a belief in in God. And how do you see that our schools being relevant in in today's world? I want to tell you, I, I, I answer that specifically. My notes say this. The underpinnings of Catholic or faith-based schools, how they challenge students to a moral code cannot be denied. There, we happen to have quite a few Jewish students from a Jewish elementary school here in town. They gravitate to us because our missions and our moral code and character building for our children are identical, Mm -hmm. identical. The belief system on both sides, I'm not here to proselytize them, nor they are not here to be proselytized. However, our common goal is a moral code, is developing a young, forming a young man, in our case, with an incredible moral, ethical code of social justice. Mm-hmm. And that cannot be denied. There is, there's a piece of legislation that just occurred last week in the House, in the Congress here at, at, in Arizona. You cannot 
teach, you cannot talk about any political issue whatsoever or cultural issue in your classroom. <laughs> it's a $5,000 fine for the faculty member. Really? So, and so when you, when, you say, when you say cannot be denied, you're worried about legal political maneuvering to deny that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. And, and an independent school, they, look, at our, look at our founding fathers. And, and that is the difference between, I'm sure you and Jim, Bob, talked about this, forming a young man with a moral code. His religion, religious aspiration is one thing. Uh, but it's not the thing. The character, the what happened to the greater good mm -hmm. in this country is all a function of justice mm -hmm. and social justice and morality. We are not an island. Uh, we are not an island of individuals. And, and let's just look at this grid mess over on the East Coast. It's going to take a lot of... Yeah. And look how it's affecting absolutely everyone because someone thinks that they deserve to get some money Yeah, and use their expertise for that. You yeah. know, Adrian, one of the things we've been so impressed with, with Brophy is, is some of the experiences that your young men have taken upon themselves as social justice causes. Could you, would you mind speaking to one of those as a way well, of I'm a, cementing that? Yes, Headline of this morning's paper. Because of the Dreamers, the November 2022 election will determine if the Dreamers can get in-state tuition at our Arizona universities. Really? For 18 months, that's going to be debated here in yeah. this state, and it will be divisive. It will be divisive. And yet there's legislation um, in the House now so to prevent you from talking about it at a school. Is that how, is yeah, that how this works? Schools. Right. That's right. <laughs> I'll give you an example. Our boys on the volleyball team, their warm-up shirts, they have three choices for their warm-up shirts. They're black T-shirts. One of them says Black Lives Matter. The other ones say support the dreamers. And the third one says the earth is our common home. Huh. And then after they warm up, they take those off and they have their uniforms on. Well, they pay, played a public school that my friend works at last week. The boys came out. Her son was playing for the public school. Her head snapped on her neck and she said, aren't they going to get in trouble? Won't they get in trouble for that? And I said, no, the coach has given them. They choose the yeah. shirt they want. <laughs> that, no, that." She said, in our faculty meeting two weeks ago, someone brought up that perhaps we should have an optional anti-racist curriculum, and there was a fistfight. There you have it. Mm. There you have it. So if it doesn't come from the home, it doesn't come. Yeah. It doesn't come. And we do, you know, Who's, getting back to the, the faith-based aspect of our schools, there's a... Uh, celebration of our humanity at the core of that, right? And that curiosity of who we are as human beings, especially in, when we listen to that that still voice inside of us, you know, guiding along the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, it, it awareness of the other. Right. That, get out of your own bubble. That's social justice. Awareness of the other. We are not the only people on this planet. No, it cannot be denied. And so, yes, 
Yes, I mean, people might be calling Catholics that don't attend church secular, and maybe this is anathema or counter to Catholic belief, but but those that don't attend church may still have a deep, still belief in the 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 spiritual human being that they are. I'm not sure that church going is the right marker. Certainly, and I'm not denying that church going is important. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. No, no. I I mean, that's a whole nother, it's a whole, yeah, it's a whole nother podcast, right? uh, um, Really about the challenge that faces the church. I think, especially post COVID, we've had a year where people haven't stepped foot inside a church. You know, how many parishes are going to survive, you know, just financially, and the, well, the, the I, central, I think the, the question the churches face is, how are you uh, fully Catholic without having the normal ritual that we've created over the last few hundred years of having to right. go to Mass that's every right. Sunday, and, right? Yeah. The Wall Street Journal, uh, just a few days ago, many Catholic schools will close as a result yeah. of COVID. There's no question. Many have already. Uh, I'm lucky with the state of Arizona. We have the Arizona State Tax Credit. And those monies can go to bolstering faith-based schools that are underserved. But many will close. Essential workers are the underserved that go to those underserved parishes. So there, you know, there you have it. No, uh, we're going. Rome is burning. <laughs> Rome is burning. <laughs> Rome is but we, burning. But that's but okay. We, are, we have to. But we're a resurrection people, right? You know, we know. We, absolutely, we are. That, we are the light of the world. Yes, yeah, the and out light of those of ashes, we will emerge anew, right? That's we know right. That. That's and right. how appropriate for a school in Phoenix to uh, talk <laughs> rising out of the ashes. Adria, I'm going to leave us there. You've recommended a book already, which I appreciate. It, I think it's encouraging to have some other material to read. I will send you uh, Da Vinci and cannot thank you enough. Just an invigorating conversation and could not applaud you enough in your leadership and what you're doing for so many young men down in Phoenix and for the state of Arizona. So, well, thank you. Thank thank you. you It's great to talk to you, Joe. Great to talk. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you have any suggestions for topics or speakers, please feel free to reach out to me at joevollert at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm trying to do this about once a week, working on getting a regular cadence. So look forward to keeping in contact with you. Thank you.